0: Well, again, it's, it's great to be with you this uh, this morning, uh, not just in a virtual way, though we have many who are doing that uh, this Sunday, and we, we really pray that God minister to them, to, to them as well. But God, God wants uh, to draw us into himself and recognize that, he, that he's got a plan for our life. Have you, have you recognized that? And, and when you're honest about that, sometimes that plan is not the, 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 the way you're living it out. And, and so God has given us principles for life, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 20, uh, though um, we'll be uh, stating the principles in that text. But Exodus 20, if you ever have that trivia question, where are the Ten Commandments found, uh, you could, uh, you could uh, recite uh, this uh, particular section. It's found in Exodus chapter 20. It's also found in Deuteronomy 5, which is the second giving of the law as well. But it's, it's a familiar section that, that many people know about, but often haven't really discovered how, how it really means, uh, what it means for them and how it's supposed to be to be lived out. Uh, we, uh, we have, as a nation, are often fascinating with lists. Have you noticed that? If you go on Yahoo News or if you go on MSN or if you go to, to Fox News, often they will <clears throat> give you uh, the top ten list. Uh, if you're a sports fanatic, they will try to tell you who are the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL, who are the top ten basketball players in the NBA, who are the top ten teams in the MLB, Major League Baseball team, who, who's most likely to, to win the awards. And they're, they're trying to determine you know who's the best, uh, who, who are the most significant ones in, uh, in, in the athletic world. Uh, but uh, it's found not only that, but it's found in so many other places as well. If, if you remember back a few years, there was a particular um, uh, late night host, David Letterman. you remember David Letterman? And uh, I, I usually didn't watch him that often, but I'd also often uh, uh, hear some of the things he would, he would list. But he was, he was kind of famous for coming with a top 10 list. And I was looking at those uh, just recently, and he had a top 10 list of Christmas carols. And I, I thought I'd share this because I was with a young person this uh, last week and, and they told me that their favorite time of the year is uh, Christmas. But it's, And I said, well, why is that? And they said, because I, I can listen to Christmas carol, Christmas music all month. And that's what happens during December. Now, quite frankly, I, you know, I don't know if this is un- unspiritual to say this, I get tired of Christmas music when that's all you hear for a month. I, I would much rather listen to... Easter music, but they don't have that many songs. But for whatever reason, and maybe it just urges people to buy more during the, the month of December, you can hear Christmas music, you know, in the, in the malls. You can hear it on the radio. You can hear it everywhere. And, and that's, that's her favorite style of music. Well, uh, David Letterman had a top 10. I'm not going to give you his top 10, but I'll give you his, his uh, half of them, his top five. And, and this was his uh, top uh, five Christmas carols. And I thought I'd sing them to you, but... But then I thought better of that. So um, this one is, I saw mommy kissing Larry King. You know, that was his, uh, he kind of switched them, as you understand. And then his number four was, I'm, I'm searching for the real killers with every round of golf I play. I think that's Warren's favorite uh, Christmas carol as well. And then influenza, 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 influenza. And that kind of relates to COVID-19. Uh, and then how about this one? He worked for CBS. Oh Little Network, CBS. How still we see the lie, L-I-E. And, and we, we live in a world where fake news is everywhere, and that was uh, his second one. And this one I'm not going to sing because I didn't know how I really put it to the tune, but um, uh, the little drummer boy boy, I have a, an irregular heartbreak. Um, plum, pum pum, 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 pum. Pump, pump. So anyway, that was that was his top five. And and you might not think those were funny, but that's all right because they weren't mine. I just gave you his. But as you think about that, we often will think about lists, and there is no more familiar list than the Ten Commandments uh, in the Old Testament. And, and Jesus was asked the list question. Well, of all the commandments, and there weren't just, as we mentioned for many weeks, there weren't just ten in the commandments or the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai to give to God's people, there were 613. And as you think about the 613, the Jewish people thought, well, we we need to add to that clarity. So they had book after book after book in the Talmud that would explain those commandments in great detail, and it really didn't explain it. It expanded it to say, well, how can we make sure we don't break any of the commandments? And and really, when they did that, they, they missed the point. And the reason I entitled the message today, last week, as we introduced this, we looked at, as we think about God's truths for us, it's, His truths are true, and and they are, they are real, and they are good. But what I want you to understand is we think about God's unveiling the meaning of the Ten Commandments. It's not simply something to post in your office, or put it on your refrigerator, or, or you have a little card, put it in your wallet. Uh, but the, these are principles that he wants us to live out, but he wants us to understand the only way you live out God's law is understanding they, they are principles to be lived out through a person. Uh, they, it, it's put this way in the book of Jeremiah. You understand that, that God has given us an old covenant, an old, an old treaty, an old way of life, uh, but they are external. What I want to do is take that which is written on tablets, and I want to write them on your heart. Because as we shared many times over the last couple of weeks, as you think of all that's going on in our nation, and not only our nation, but in our state, and not only our state, but in our community, but let's even be more close to home, in our own homes, in our own lives. The heart of every problem is the problem of the, of the heart. And so these commandments, these, these commandments that were really principles to live out But to discover you can't live them out only through a person and a personal relationship with that person, which is the living God, is it needs to be written on what's on the inside, or we'll only look at things from an external perspective. So, what I want to do this this morning and the day and the time to come, and we're we're really working on on making sure these services last an hour. Is um, I wasn't really sure how long it would take me to get through this message and. And so I, I said, let's begin with two. If you're looking at principles of life, how, how should you now live? Well, let me, let me just start with two, and then, then maybe you'll have time for four. And then I thought, well, I might not have time for four. I said, well, let's, uh, let's add three or four. And actually, we only add a couple more from the first service. And, and, and we're reviewing a little bit from last week because it's always, it's always good to begin at the beginning, right? And, and, and Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, well, the greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. And if you don't get that first, all these other things don't really matter, do they? Because the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart, and God wants to get the heart of what it means to have a relationship with Him. And so it all begins with, how are you relating to the one true God? And then the second one is like that, because if you you relate to the one true God in that way, then you will treat other people in the same way that God has treated you. So, looking back last week, you know as you begin at the beginning, where should you begin, and where was he urging them to begin with? I, you need to understand this: you shall have no other gods before me and, and the reason I had to say that because they had been, they had been exposed to all kinds of gods, they had eighty gods in the, in the nation of egypt and, 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 and as you understand the story as we look ahead, this is a spoiler alert, as God had manifest himself in the most demonstrative ways. Uh, many today, the, their, their struggle is, well, if God would just speak to me and I'd believe in him, if, if God would somehow give me a sign or do a miracle, then I'd believe in him. They couldn't say that, could they? I mean, God had parted the Red Sea. God had miraculously gave them food to eat on a daily basis. In fact, so well that on the seventh day, they didn't have to go get it because he gave him enough on, sat- on the one day to get to cover the day they could have a rest. And not only yet, when they were thirsty, he-, he got water out of a rock. I mean, God had done the miraculous, so they couldn't say, well, if you'll just show yourself, then I'll believe in you. He said, I've shown myself, but, but you need to understand that I'm not just one of many gods. I am the only God. I'm the, the only one true God. And if you, if you go off and worship something else, then you haven't got to first base with me. And in case you, you don't realize they didn't get it, it was just 40 days from the speaking forth of the commandments in Exodus chapter 20 that they made, they had Aaron, forced Aaron to make a golden what? A golden calf. And right here, they had taken a step back from believing in the one true God. And we can all relate to that. I mean, if you got something wrong with you and you, need to, you, get, you, you go to the doctor to get medicine, you want to make sure you get what kind of medicine? The right medicine. And he said, this is, you need to understand you need to believe in the one true God. But then he kind of expands that a little bit. And he, and he says, okay, I, I, you begin here, but I want you to understand this. It's, I, 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 you need to understand, you shall not make for yourself an idol. And I guess I take a step back here just for a moment. I had a call from uh, one of our members, and they said, well, you know, the way it appears that you're going to be listing the Ten Commandments is different than how I was taught when I grew up. And she came from a Roman Catholic perspective. And if you don't know this already, is that people will list these a little bit different. They all have basically the same commandments because it's in the text. But uh, um, the church father, Augustine, uh, he had a list of his ten, and then you had the Roman Catholic list, and then you had um, the Reform list, and then you had the Lutheran list, and then you had even a uh, a Jewish Talmud list. And, and what you need to understand is, it's not how you number them. Okay, maybe your list on the David Lennerman, the Ten Best, has a different order, but these are the things God is saying. And, and usually, the difference is how they begin. Do they take verse two, or do they go to verse three to begin their list of ten? But what He gets to in the second commandment, as I understand, probably the, the clearest way to understand delineating the commandments or the principles for life. Number one, you, ought to, you, you, you shall not have any other gods before me. And then secondly, you shall not make for yourself an idol. And I shared that last week probably for most to say, hey, whew, that's one commandment I haven't broken. Probably not too many of us have, have gotten you know our, our carving knife out, got a piece of wood, and started making an image of God. Some of them haven't gone into a, a place of clay and started to form something together and say, well, that's my God. Um, but it, it's, more, it's more than that. It, it's whatever you do to reduce God into your own image of who he is rather than who he really is. And we, we sometimes, you know, we get fascinated sometimes with images. And it's nothing wrong with having an image, but yet realize the image is only a symbol of the real thing, and you need to make sure you understand who and what the real thing is. Uh, have, you, have you noticed we live in a day and age where, where uh, people take a lot more pictures than they used to? Remember that? Remember when we used to have to pay for every picture we took? You know, you take it down there and they have to develop. You go, man, this is a lot of money to develop those pictures. I better hope, hope they're all good, right? Well, now digitally you can make what, you can take as many pictures as you want. But, but, you know, just imagine for a moment if, if you took a, you know, I, you know, I think my, my grandchildren are the most beautiful children in the whole world. You know? They're the most photogenic. Okay, we all can brag about grandchildren or children for that matter. Uh, but can you imagine how, how wrong it would be for me to so... Love the pictures of my grandchildren but not love my grandchildren? Where, where somehow I, I, you know, I, I was just fascinated by just seeing them but not really being with them? And, and that's what he's saying here. Don't, don't reduce me to something so meager as a, as a symbol or figurine or some picture of that. And sometimes, in other words, you can have the name of the true God but not treat him like the true God. You know, when they, when they made the calf, they, they didn't think they were dishonoring God, because the calf was a symbol of a, a burden of beast. That was a strong and not a calf. You know, it was a you know, a beast a beast of burden. And often, the the gods of the world they'll, they'll take the gods of the nature and they'll say, well, you know, that's the god of the ocean or the god of the, the river or the god of the the heavens, and how powerful that is. But when they do that, they need to recognize God is much more than just power. All of his attributes matter. So we can reduce God. We can re- reduce God just to love. That's how some people, they have a sentimental view of God. You know, they, you know it's, I want to draw a heart, and that's all God is. He's one big heart. He just loves everybody. But God is also holy. And God is a God of just, justice. God is a God of wrath. God is a God of mercy and grace. And so we need to understand we can't reduce God to, our, to the image that we have in our mind. But as I shared with you last week, you need to also understand, we all need to understand, is that an idol can be that which symbolizes what is most important to us. And we can make an idol of anything. We can make an idol of, out of our job. We can make an idol of, out of our family. We can make, make an idol of, out of a hobby. We can make an idol out of our health. We can make an idol of whatever might be, which is, I guess you could say this, is there anything in your life that if you lost it or lost him or her, that your life would mean nothing. There there is only one person, there's only one thing in this world that cannot be taken from you, and that's the God who is in your life, the true God. And so our source of joy and happiness is not found in anything else other than the living God. He blesses us with all other relationships and all other things that we can enjoy, but he is the one who's most important. So it begins there. Is there. You've got to make sure you have your faith right and your love life right. Who do you believe in and who do you really love? But we're moving on today. And as we think about it, another command I want you to look at, and just by way of a little trivia here, is most of the time when people think of the commandments, they think about the thou shalt not. Wouldn't you agree? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. And when you look at it, you think, well, isn't God kind of negative? Well, actually, of the Ten Commandments, eight of them are thou shalt not, or you shall not. Uh, but two of them are actually you shall. And we're going to see, well, actually, we're going to see two. but We're only going to see one today that's a you shall. But as we think about that, God has for us to think about here Here's very specific ways he wants us to express uh, what it means to walk after him faithfully. Also, in terms of the Ten Commandments, um, out of, the, out of the 10, nine of them are repeated in one are not. And we're going to see the one that's not repeated. But there's still a principle for life out of the one that's not repeated in the New Testament. And, and just think about what, what we follow a person and we follow a person by following the principles of life he's called us to live out from within, from within that expresses itself from without. Uh, but the third commandment is this, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. And so, as we think about that, what does that mean? And I'll just, you know, share this to begin with. The, the Jewish people thought, of, again, of all the commandments, um, they got pretty good after the, the calf experience, not to make an idol of God. But they also thought, well, we got to make sure we don't mess this one up. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so, well, the way that we can make sure we don't break that commandment is that we'll never use the what of, of our God. The name of our God, as long as i don 't use his name <laughs> I'm, I'm you know i I'm, i 'm I'm set free i haven 't broken that commandment, but see when they did that, they missed the whole point again it 's not a matter whether you just uh, attach a curse word to god 's name that 's not what he 's talking about here he 's talking about in, in any way you dishonor him it 's interesting uh, we do a number of things to try to communicate truth and and to our children. Uh, during these COVID days. And, it, and whenever we have them together, we, we give them a, a bulletin, you know, a kind of an interactive bulletin for the children. And they have all kinds of hard things to do for a, a people like me. You know, it's, it's all kind of word search and you got to put all these words together and you got you to diagram things. And I religiously, which means regularly, I, I, don't, I don't do them, but I give this to my wife who likes these kind of things. You know, anybody like crossword puzzles out there or all those kind of things? Well, I, you know, um, there's two things you can hate. You can hate sin. and You can hate crossword puzzles. That's where I'm at. Okay. So, you know, I don't do those things. Well, anyway, yesterday they were working on them and they, and they said, okay, I, we, can't, we can't figure out these, these un, unscramble the word sections. That's where they give you the letters and then you got to figure out a word from it. So they gave me five to do. They had done five and they said, you got to do the rest. And I go, I don't like doing this. Well, no, you got to take a turn. Well, it took me an, over an hour to figure those out. That's why I don't like to do them. I'm horrible at it. But you know what it does? It kind of, it kind of, it kind of what it communicated to the children and what ought communicated to us, to us big children. He, he, and this is the title for it. Because God is ruler overall, we should respect his name. We should not use words like this or do things like this. We should mock people, ridicule them, swear, curse, insult, deny, scorn, slight, criticize, snub, cheapen, slander, blame, and offend. Now, it took me a long time to figure out some of those words. But you know what was more challenging is when I thought, you know, some of these words are things I do. Anybody want to relate to that? Can anybody relate to some of those words you've done that? You know, I'm kind of a criticizer. I'm kind of a person that's easy to some others. I, I slight others. I scorn. I, you know what I mean? And really what he's saying there is we need to understand, look, there's all kinds of ways that we can take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Because the whole idea here is, is how do we represent him? And I was telling you, some of the religious folk of Jesus' day, they thought that they were pretty good at this because they never used Yahweh's name. But he said, look, do you consider yourself the people of God? Do you consider your God your father? Do you consider that you, you represent him, that God called you out as a nation to be a kingdom of priests? And, and so they, they had taken on the handle. In fact, they thought anybody that was not Jewish were, was, was somehow lesser than them because they, they did not know the covenant God. But you can know about God and, and you can have a label attached to you, but when you don't live that out, then, we're ta- then you're taking the name of the Lord God in vain. You know, we're called, it's only used actually three times in the New Testament, but we're called Christians, right? Christians. Or, or to put it another way, we're called little Christ. We represent Christ. And whether it's those word, unscrambled word section, all those things that somehow we fall into, or, or any other type of action where we don't represent Him well, and that's how I put it in your notes today, is that what does that mean? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It means that when you don't represent the Lord God well, that's when we break that commandment. And, and the Bible's pretty clear on that. Just looking at a couple of sections in Scripture. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it, it says this, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks for him to God the Father. So our words represent him well or not well. Our deeds represent well or not well. It's interesting also is that as we think about that, that's true even as we think about uh, you know, being Americans. You know, some people describe Americans as they have an adjective for Americans. If you're traveling around the world, we're the what kind of Americans? The ugly Americans, you ever heard that phrase? And, and why would they consider some Americans ugly? Because they've met some Americans that were what? Ugly. Now, you might not have done, lived that way, and maybe most of the people haven't lived that way, but if they met some ugly Americans, that's how they see us. And, and, and can you attach that to the church or to other Christians? When, when we don't act like Jesus, they could put an adjective attached to Christianity because how we live. That, because we get known by the reputation of who we are. And, and that can happen on a family level as well. How do you, how do you represent your family? I was with uh, Mark and my two grandchildren, um, Hannah and Addie, and they were at the park. And one was riding a bicycle and one was riding a scooter. And Hannah, who's kind of mastered our bicycle, at least to a certain level, uh, they were at the park and I was kind of watching all this happen and just enjoying it. And, and Hannah was, was doing really well going one direction. But, you know, after a while, unless this direction has a circle to it, you got to what? You got to turn around. Well, she, she could go one direction, but she couldn't turn around. And so Mark was trying to teach her, you, you got to do a 180. You got you to do a simple circle and come back. Well, um, at her young age, she, she was struggling with that. And she was way at the park and she kind of was m- trying to make the 180 on grass, but she'd make the turn and she'd make it like a 45 degree turn, but not a 180 degree turn. And she, she was just struggling hard and hard, you know, harder. She was just spending most of the afternoon trying to get this to happen. And she was all about ready to stop. You could tell she was totally frustrated. So then Mark goes, Okay, I guess you just can't do it. You better just, you just better quit. Well, that just, (laughs) that just got her angry. And so what she did, she goes, he goes, Johnson's don't quit, you know. They don't give up. And and it's interesting, I was with them yesterday, and she actually made a picture of that. She has here, um, whoops, I got it backwards. It says, Johnson family, Johnson's don't give up. They need to work on their J's, but they don't give up, Right. And see, what she, what she realized, look, if, if I consider myself a Johnson, then I, I might not be the best at everything. I might not be skilled in every part of, every, every part of life, but that's part of who we are. We, we are a family that when we're, we're trying to get something done, we're going to do everything we can to get it done. We're not going to give up. And, and that's what he's really saying about us, is we think, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't, don't do anything by what you say or what you do. That does not represent Jesus well. I came across a passage in in First in Timothy that really struck me. It says this All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as, as worthy of all honor. So that the name of God and our doctrine will be spoke, will not be spoken against. And I don't know if you picked up the, the flow there. So look at how you, how you work at your place of employment. It either makes God look good or makes God look bad. How, 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 do you, how do you respond to people in authority over you? Sometimes we're in authority. Sometimes we're under authority. How do you respond to them? And how you do will either look, make God look good or God look bad. And, and it's interesting. He even said this. Uh, those who have believers as their masters must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. In case you didn't quite get the flow of thought there, he's saying, look, I want you to understand that sometimes you think, well, wait a minute. I was just at church with my boss, my master. So we're both Christians. And so when I'm at work, I ought to to get a little bit of preferential treatment. I shouldn't have to work as hard because we're brothers in Christ or we're sisters in Christ. He said, look, you don't take advantage of someone just because they're part of the family. And so God wants us to understand that everything we do, wherever we're at, in the marketplace, in the neighborhoods, in, the, in our homes, how we respond to authority when we're in authority or under authority, how we, how we respond to people either reflects well on Jesus or not. It's Interesting, we often, I said, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We think about those you know, times when we hear people attach God's name to a swear word. And that is an application of that, but it's not the only application. Leviticus 19, 12 says this, you shall not swear falsely by my name so as to profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. But really what it's saying here, you shall not swear falsely by my name. He's really not saying so much about using a swear word attached to God's name. It's saying, look at when you say something, when you swear something is true, it better be what? It better be true. And people shouldn't have to uh, wonder, well, now, is it only true when he says, you know, uh, you know I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth by God, that this, you know, you know, you should just be known as a person who tells the truth. And as we think about God calling us to live out principles of life, he's called to say, do it through the person by applying the principle and understand that God doesn't want us to reflect on him in a negative way in any way that we should represent him well. Now the one commandment that we're going to get to today that really is one of the ones that is stated in the positive uh, but also is not repeated in the New Testament is you shall remember to keep the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And, and, and this is the one that, that Jesus was probably confronted on more than anything else is they, they saw Jesus as a Sabbath breaker. And, and really what it enlightened people is that they didn't understand what the Sabbath was all about. The, the Sabbath was, was made to lighten the load of God's people, not to add burdens to it. The, the, the word Sabbath literally means cessation of work. When I'm saying oh, I'm gonna have a Sabbath today, it means I'm gonna rest. That's really literally what, what it means. When 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 God created the heavens and the earth, he, he created in six days, and on the seventh day he what? He rested. It's the, it's the word Sabbath. He he took a Sabbath. Now it wasn't because God was tired, God never gets tired, but he was setting up the models. Look at it's not all about looking at your productivity by how much you work and how much effort you put into it. I have called you into life that, that you have rest. And isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And obviously, we have people on two sides of this. And, you, know, you have some people who are workaholics. It's always one more thing to do, one more thing to do, one more thing to do. And you have some people who never do anything, right? And what he's saying, look, God, when you're working, work hard. But when you, you need to understand that you should, you should take rest as well. In fact, he, he, he would speak into their lives, say, look, God, I want you to understand. And they, were much, they either tended sheep and flocks or they, they had to uh, an agricultural perspective. And sometimes you have certain seasons where you feel, like, man, I've got to work every single day. He says, no. I want you to take a day of rest. But what they had done is they now imposed on that. It wasn't taking a day of rest. It was, a, it was a day to be miserable. They couldn't do anything. They said, you don't understand. I want you to take a rest, but I also want you to prioritize worship. I want you to look back at the living God and, and just give praise to him. But it doesn't mean you can't enjoy the day. And, and, and really what it's saying here, and what does it mean to, to stop working or have a cessation of of uh, of." of occupation is saying, look, whatever energizes you, whatever would restore your soul, restore your body, do that on a, on a weekly basis and restore uh, your life. Um, you may or may not be familiar, but it, it, as the Jewish people decided to figure out, well, we don't want to break this commandment as well. And so often what happens with religious people is they, they want to build all these fences and say, well, if we, if we just tell people what they can and cannot do, then they won't break that commandment. Have you ever ever talked to someone, uh, uh, God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life and they want to tell you what to do or what you can't do? Uh, Well, what's in the Bible, that's pretty clear. But if it's not in the Bible, you have freedom, right? And and what the Jewish people did, and we do it as well, trust me, I could give you examples on that, but is that uh, in the Talmud, they they came up with 39 categories of what you could do or not do on the Sabbath, all right? And and I'll just give you 19 of them. I have all 39 here, but here were the categories which would govern what you could do on your day of rest. You can't carry, you can't burn, can't extinguish, you can't finish, you can't write, can't erase, can't cook, you can't wash, you can't sow, you can't tear, you can't knot, you can't untie anything, you can't shape anything, you can't plow, you can't plant, you can't reap, you can't harvest, can't thresh, and can't winnow. And most of us when we think about those things, well, what does that mean? Well, Uh, They thought that too, so they thought, I'll I'll have to tell you what that means. And so, it's interesting related to finishing. In other words, if you start something on the day before Sabbath, on your Sabbath, you can't, what? You can't complete it, you can't finish it. What do you mean by that? Well, here are some of the illustrations of that. Uh, You were forbidden to tear a paper in any way on the Sabbath. And here's the illustration here. To take a very mundane example, one may not tear toilet paper on the Sabbath. Religious Jews, therefore, only use pre-cut paper. Now, I just want to let you know, in case some of you are worried, you can tear our toilet paper if you have to use the restrooms after the service, right? But, but th- that's how they took this command. I mean, they didn't, if you don't learn what these are all about, you're going you're to look at things and it's just, it's just foolishness, okay? And how can you live that out? Uh, here's some other ones. Uh, finishing and look at we could illustrate this in so many different ways but putting the finishing touch on any article is also in this category for instance uh, if you just bought a new pair of shoes and on the night before you forgot to put laces in them putting laces into new shoes was forbidden on the sabbath or here's another one Uh, any form of adjustment comes under this heading thus one may not wind a clock or set a watch Remember when you used to have the wine o'clock? Now it's all electronic. But, but if, if it's, you got the wrong time on it and you want to, you know, you, you can't do that because you'd be finishing a task. Um, and even, uh, particularly with the instruments we had in the first service, but you could also say uh, with Devin, it's also forbidden to tune any kind of musical instrument. In fact, the rabbis forbade the use, forbade the use of all musical instruments on the Sabbath because they saw that as work. And God has given us the joy of enjoying music. Aren't you glad that we can worship God with music and instruments? And he's saying, look, you've taken the Sabbath and you've made it a burden rather than a source of joy. So what is it we need to remember? Number one, we need to remember that this is not a repeated commandment in the New Testament. The principle of getting rest and the principle of prioritizing worship is, and that is kind of pre-law. That's before Sinai. You had the example of, of God in the Old Testament uh, and even in the book of Genesis. But the idea of you've got, you've, you've got to do it on this one particular day is not repeated. In fact, it's it stated very plainly that, that it is not. Now, you can choose to worship on, on a Saturday, but don't don't... Uh, understand this is everyone's got to do that in Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17 says this therefore no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink and we talked about that a week ago you know uh, it's not about kosher food all food is clean as long as it you react to it well and you don't eat too much of it amen are you still with me you can say amen can't you're not supposed to sing too loud in church rap but you can say amen all right amen uh, you know, clothing, you, you can mix gar you can mix, you know, wool and linen, you can you can do that. There are certain commandments, obviously, that, that don't apply to the day. Uh, or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. So Paul writes in the church of Colossae, look at you don't you don't restrict people to, to follow a particular day. That's that's not God's plan. The principle is, and that's why it's principles right. you should get adequate rest, and you ought to prioritize worship. But it's not a day in which you make everybody miserable. It's a day when you get restored and refreshed and you prioritize in your relationship with God. And it doesn't matter which day you want to pick. These things are just a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You know, I was talking about my grandchildren. You remember being with children and they discover their shadow for the very first time? Shake your head like you're still with me, all right? I mean, when they see a shadow sometimes, it, it, it becomes fearful, right? And, and then when they lose the fear for it, they want to somehow chase it, and they want to grab it, but no matter how they try they can chase their shadow, but they're never going to catch it, right? And, and this is what happens so often, is people are, are, are trying to catch the shadow about living for Christ. It's all about the person and living out the principles in our life and trusting Him by believing Him and loving Him, beginning there, and then, then taking the principle He wants us to understand. Look, at you, your life is to represent me and everything you do, in your word and in your deeds. And by the way, I want you you to set aside a day to to get rest and to prioritize worship. But but don't get preoccupied about what day it's on. Because that's just a shadow. In fact, that's what Romans 14 says. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. So whatever day you want to worship, worship. But But prioritize and restore and be prepared then to live out the rest of the week to please Him and to represent Him well. The priority of prioritizing worship, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now, gathering together like this, uh, or whether we do it virtually, we need to realize that we we are not just spectators. We're active participants. And when we interact with each other, whatever way we can do it, is that we're, we're, uh, we're to help each other, to stimulate one another, to, to be more in love with God and express that love to others and live out a, a life filled with uh, demonstrating that by what we do and how we do it and what we say. And, and for that to happen, that, that we need to not forsake our own assembling together as is the habit of some. You know, one of the sad things that's going to be happening probably from the whole COVID experience, and even as, as we start opening up our facility, and they might shut us down next week. You never know what's going to happen in terms of the government. But, but the idea, we, we as God's people need to long to be together, not only to worship God, but to be involved in other people's lives, that so we are all encouraged and exhorted to use our gifts and our talents and our platforms, the places where we work, our neighborhoods, to represent him well and draw people to himself. You know, statistically what they're saying right now is churches open up, you've got between 15 to 30% of people coming back. Now, some of that's understandable because of health reasons, okay? And, and we're not judging people whether they're here or whether they're on, you know, in their homes watching services. But really, the the... the the challenge is to be, what's going to happen when all this all this is gone? You know, are, are we going to be actively living out our faith, or are we going to be more passive in living out our faith? Or, are we going to get in habits where where now we're not eager to be with people and have life on life? Or using whatever platform it is, whether it's virtual or whether it's face-to-face, are, are, are we going to be so involved in people's lives that they know we're praying for them? Now that we know we're praying for them, that we're Going to be encouraging them, and we're going to we're going to uh, challenge each other to be more faithful in walking with God, because the Christian life is a participatory relationship. It's not passive, and it's great that we had opportunity to do that to, uh, today together. But it's the ongoing living out God's plan for our life. So I close with this, just with a question: What's the so what this morning? Uh, are you are you eager to live out God's principles? beginning by believing in the one true God, loving the one true God more than anything else in this world, deciding to to represent Him well by, by not taking the name of the Lord, your God, in vain, by not giving up, you know? And then fourthly, are you seeking His rest and prioritizing honoring Him by worshiping Him as a way of life? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank You that You that you've given us the privilege of having your word. We thank you so much that you, you had Moses hear these words and then record these words for us. And Father, help us to recognize that these, these are principles of life that you want to write in our hearts that we just, we turn to to live out. Help us to understand the application of them and the, the opportunity to, to live them in a way that people can see Jesus in us. Father, we we are the people of God, and we want to live out being the people of God so that people can see that we've been with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.